Today on Understanding Immigration, the 2021 illegal alien population. Total population estimate for illegal aliens plus their U.S. born children is 20.9 million. We see a lot of employers who are seeing do dollar signs. They're rolling out the red carpet for this influx of cheap foreign labor. We feel pretty confident that using long accepted methodologies that this is a pretty accurate figure that we have. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. As I'm looking at the latest update on the illegal alien population for 2021, I realize that the factors that drove 2021's increase are eerily similar to the factors for the 2020 increase, just to a much larger degree. Based on how the current administration is taking a wrecking ball to our border security and interior immigration enforcement mechanisms, coupled with unscrupulous employers taking advantage of the influx of cheap labor, I think it's likely we, we can see an additional growth in the illegal alien population if things continue. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. I'm Jason Pena, one of FAIR's researchers, and today I'm joined by the rest of the research team. Here I have senior researcher Pavel Sterna, and the Director of FAIR Research, Spencer Rayleigh. Today we're going to discuss our team's latest report for the illegal alien population of 2021. Spencer, I want you to take the charge on this. What were our findings with this year's report? Yeah, so this is, of course, a report that we do every single year, uh, have been for probably, I think, about a decade or more now. And just kind of the idea so the American public can have a general, honest, accurate look at what the illegal alien population likely is and, you know, in kind of a roundabout figure uh, each year. So last year when we did this report, we found that there were about 14.5 million illegal aliens based on, you know, just our, our current estimate, which was only a slight increase, but still an increase from the previous year. This year, that number has gone way, way up. It has increased by an entire million to 15.5 million in our estimation. And I mean, there's really a number of reasons for that. We'll get into it, but just to kind of break it down a little bit, illegal aliens, kind of as we all understand, all would predict, they, they tend to live for the most part near the border. In fact, roughly, I believe it's roughly 70% of the uh, illegal alien population is in five or six states, mm -hmm. California, Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, Florida also has, of course, a very large population, especially from individuals who are coming in via via water instead of necessarily just coming across the southern border. But you also see large numbers of illegal aliens in states like New York. Again, very, very popular port for migrants coming into the United States. And one thing we often forget about, especially with the, the, the major uh, crisis going on at the southern border right now, is that a large portion, nearly half of all illegal aliens are visa overstays. Mm -hmm. And so you end up with a lot of individuals um, in migrant-heavy cities like New York City uh, who just opt to never go home. But I think it's really important for us to not forget and for us to not gloss over the fact that illegal immigration is becoming a problem in smaller states as well. I mean, here, uh, you know, just outside of our doors here in Virginia, there are hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens living here. We see the impact of gangs made up of illegal aliens, such as MS-13, every day in Fairfax County and just kind of in surrounding areas here. You're also starting to see it feel the crunch in small states, Maine, West Virginia, other states that have, you know, maybe not nearly as many illegal aliens as, you know, a state like Texas, which is right around 2 million. 
they have more like 10 to 15,000 in those states, but because it's a smaller population, it's harder to absorb it. So, you know, just having a small group in your schools can really put the pressure on teachers to be able to provide adequate uh, teaching to all of these students. So it's really it's really something that's being felt all across the United States now, not just in those border states anymore, as we always historically thought. It also hits Americans in their wallets. Uh, based on our 2017 fiscal cost study, which was the last major in-depth cost study we did, we estimate with this most recent estimate that there is, uh, it's probably costing Americans around $143.1 billion a year, which is approximately a $9.4 billion increase over last year. So it continues to be a, a significant issue, a concerning problem that uh, doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon, doesn't seem to be improving. No, you're absolutely right, Spencer. You know, when we were crafting this report, I was looking at some of the factors that, like, how we got here with this increase in the illegal alien population. As I mentioned earlier, m many of these same factors occurred in the 2020 increase. Just now, we have some other uh, new factors coming in. So, for instance, one thing is with the economy improving because mm -hmm. it's reeling from the economic effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, we see a lot of employers who are seeing do dollar signs they're using this as, as they're, they're rolling out the red carpet for mm -hmm. this influx of cheap foreign labor that's one thing that we have noticed when we were getting data for this report some of the more obvious reasons for the increase is essentially joe biden has eviscerated border security interior immigration enforcement as as, as we've covered uh prolifically here at fair mm -hmm. his memos have essentially handcuffed ice from doing their jobs He's essentially overwhelmed Border Patrol agents from having the proper resources and personnel to handle this influx of illegal aliens. And really the cherry on top is President Biden campaign on granting amnesty to the illegal alien population. As, as we've pointed out in the past, anytime you utter the words amnesty or you offer some sort of protection right. from removal, such as temporary protected status, the floodgates are essentially open. And we, we, we saw this, you know, uh, Spencer, we recently spoke about temporary protected status for Cameroon and how mm -hmm. once President Joe Biden got in office, we saw an influx of the Central African migrants coming in through traversing like across the Atlantic, making their way through South and Central America and all the right. way to the US-Mexico border. So we're even seeing how distance isn't, isn't stopping uh, foreign nationals across the globe. Right. We saw the growth of the illegal alien population did slow a little bit during the Trump administration. A big reason for that was because of things like the Remain in Mexico program that was put in place in 2019 and other serious reforms that are taking place. And just the simple fact that the Trump administration had very strong rhetoric, uh, essentially telling potential illegal aliens, like, if we catch you, we're going to deport you. We're going to remove you. You have to come here the right way. Right. So while... You also, on the flip side, had a very, very strong economy, which you know led uh, a lot, a lot of uh, potential illegal aliens to still decide to take the risk and come here. Mm -hmm. But we saw, you know, uh, removals went up again, uh, refusals at the borders, returns, things like that. Then, of course, you had 2020, uh, which was you know obviously a very special case in that COVID-19 really 
slowed everything down. The economy ground to a halt, so there's a little less of incentive for illegal aliens to come here, as well as just just issues in general with travel to the United States. So you didn't have, we talked a little bit already about uh, overstays. You didn't have individuals coming into the United States on tourist visas, and so they didn't really have the opportunity to overstay those. We did find it concerning that the illegal alien population still increased during that time period. Now, if you look at just the month by month, which you can extrapolate looking at the Census Bureau's um, uh, current population survey, which is released every month, we'll get into that a little later, it looked like the illegal alien population dropped pretty, you know, not dramatically, but it did drop slightly throughout 2020 until near the end of the year when the economy started to reopen and when Joe Biden especially was elected, they all just, the floodgates opened, they all started coming here. We remember seeing the you know, November and December caravans of migrants wearing Joe Biden T-shirts and I saying, remember. we're coming here because Joe Biden told us to. That's when that kind of rebounded and went from negative territory into positive territory. And then once Biden took office and all these radical changes you mentioned took place, that just went through the roof. Just, you know, we saw 1.7 million apprehensions and counters at the southern border alone last year in fiscal 2021. And that's just going up even more now. Absolutely, Spencer. One, one thing also for our audience members who are viewing our report or will in the future, we do have a separate category for the U.S.-born children of, of illegal aliens. Now, just keep in mind that we do not include this estimate into the broader illegal alien population because they are considered to be U.S. citizens uh, thanks to birthright citizenship. Pablo, I want to shift this over to you. What is this estimate of the U.S.-born children, and why is it important to include them in the discussion about the illegal alien population and the ramifications that come from it? The total population estimate for illegal aliens plus their U.S.-born children is 20.9 million, and our cost figures basically include these since the presence of these people is correlated with costs, and they're a direct result of their parents being in the country illegally. Right. Mm -hmm. So in other words, had their parents been back in their homelands, those children would right. have been they born wouldn't be here in their the homelands. Yeah, so I mean, that's a fact, you know. Um, and so when they're going to school or when they're they're able because obviously a U.S. born since they're citizens, they're they right. qualify for all kinds of welfare, and usually they're able to receive it. So all those costs, including schooling and all of that, American taxpayers are paying for that, mm -hmm. so and that's that's the key reason why why we include it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's real important because, like you mentioned, with uh, with with welfare, you know possibilities for these children. Oftentimes that ends up being a benefit to those parents as well. In fact, we see in a lot of states where, you know, certain federal and state welfare programs will actually apply to, for just for example, medical care for a pregnant illegal alien mother because the, the child that's going to be born will be a U.S. citizen, so they already qualify for some of those cares. And of course, in the United States, we're not going to deny medical care to anyone in the country. You know, that would violate a lot of very noble oaths taken by uh, healthcare professionals. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that, you know, you take advantage of that. And so whether that's through the illegal aliens directly or through their children, those are associated costs. And so it makes sense that we would include those in all of our estimates. But, you know, we wanted to be careful. We wanted to separate the two. We wanted to show what the figure was. Uh, of just the actual illegal aliens and then have that supplemental figure that included uh, U.S.-born children as well. Yeah, and a birthright citizenship is actually something super important that we need to keep focusing on because it, it is a 
it is a magnet. It's one of the mm -hmm. magnets that draws more illegal aliens here um, because they believe that it will help them in some way to eventually get some sort of legal status here as parents of natural-born U.S. citizens. Um, they also believe, rightly, that children will be better, their children will be better taken care of by the system right. in, 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 in a wealthy country like the United mm -hmm. States than they would be uh, in their homeland. So, I mean, it, it's, it's a flawed policy. Uh, it attracts illegal migration, but, but it's, it, really, it's a big factor. Yeah, it's really one of those situations where you could almost solve this in two different ways. Because obviously, birthright citizenship has been kind of taken away from its original purpose and kind of refactored into this way of anchoring uh, illegal aliens in the United States because they had children then, something else that desperately need reform. They uh, they then basically use chain migration, you know, being the parent of a U.S. citizen in order to further cement their status in the United States, eventually hopefully gain legal status and end goal citizenship. So there are a lot of different reforms that could happen there, whether it's you know, if you came here illegally, you don't have any chance of, you know, of gaining that, that status if you remain in the United States or uh, just, you know, reforming what birthright citizenship means or just simply moving to a merit-based immigration system <laughs> in the first place. So there's a lot, of, a lot of ways that could be fixed. That's a little bit, we could honestly talk all day about that for sure. But yeah, we definitely wanted to highlight the difference because that's one thing that people often misunderstand. They ask if our figures include the children of U.S. born or of illegal aliens, uh, but we definitely want to draw that distinction. Very compelling points, gentlemen. I now I, I really want to touch upon one last time about how it's not just when illegal aliens get here. That is also the issue, but how their U.S.-born children are essentially force multipliers in shore when they apply for SNAP or Medicare mm -hmm. or, or what have you. They use public services, public safety, and how this exacerbates local and state communities. You know, we've talked about this in the in the small state, uh, small jurisdiction study of how. These small communities, such, such as the mm -hmm. uh, ones in Maine, who are overwhelmed with uh, with foreign nationals, both legal and illegal. Because they because they didn't have the proper resources and there aren't proper checks in place. And again, it kind of uh, it it really throws off what these social welfare nets were intended to service and messes up the framework that's in place to fund them. You know, mm -hmm. the idea with so many of these is that individuals are paying in passively or directly some sort of tax that is going into this system for decades even, you know, many, many, many years. So when you have someone that comes to the United States, has never paid into this system at all, has a child who then qualifies for all of these welfare benefits, they are a net drain. And that's what mm -hmm. the data has always shown on this topic. There have been reports from, you know, the Social Security Administration, from SNAP, from other government agencies showing that this is a drain. And our own studies, our own fiscal cost studies have, have confirmed those reports. And I find it really interesting that so many pro-illegal alien groups out there know this. That's why they only focus on the taxes paid by illegal aliens and they refuse to look at the services that they're taking part in the associated costs. So I think that's something very important to, to keep in mind when looking at the impact here. It's not that we don't 
want to provide as many people with help as possible. It's just that when we let people game the system, we put the system at a disadvantage and everyone knows so many of our welfare systems are on the road to absolute bankruptcy. And this is a big part of why. Shifting gears a little bit, Spencer, let's get into the methodology here. We definitely need to talk about why this figure is much higher than 2020 and, and, mm-hmm. and the preceding years. Well, first of all, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head earlier. And really, I mean, you could just sum it up with Joe Biden. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he he took office. He removed all of he not just undid everything that the Trump administration did to uh, secure the southern border. He went further, handcuffed ICE, didn't let the, doesn't let them do their job, apprehend immigration lawbreakers, and ultimately remove them. He turned uh, Customs Border Protection into a welcoming agency that just brings individuals into the country as quickly as possible. And the economy is improving after COVID as well. There are no more. There are very few shutdowns anymore, if any. Um, you know, hi- employers are hiring again, and many of them. You know, suffered economically during the COVID-19 pandemic. So one of the ways we're seeing them try to recoup some of those profits is in a dishonorable way, looking to illegal alien labor that they can pay far less than a U.S. citizen. And of course, we're still seeing a lot of American citizens that are not working. There are still very, very attractive welfare benefits out there that have not expired yet that make it more worthwhile for a lot of individuals to stay home than to go get a job that may only pay $10, $12 an hour or something. But it's important to keep in mind that as those expire, those individuals are going to need to go back into the job force. They're going to start partaking in the labor market again. They're going to need work. And if we've replaced them all with migrants, whether it's illegal aliens or uh, temporary workers or some other guest worker program, that's going to create a major labor issue in the future. So that's uh, those are some of the reasons why. I definitely want to talk a little bit about how we reach these figures uh, because that's always, you know, one of the biggest questions we get. It's not like when someone comes into the United States, Border Patrol is like checking off illegal alien, illegal alien, you know. It's not like there's some census uh, count uh, that asks people their citizenship status. We have certainly, you know, the the Trump administration has tried to implement some of that. It's always been uh, held up by court systems. So what we do is we look at the Census Bureau's American Community Survey Mm -hmm. uh, as well as the current population uh, survey, both of them undertaken by uh, the Department of Labor and uh, the Census Bureau. And what we do is we look at the total number of immigrants, individuals that list themselves as Uh foreign-born. We also look at different categories of that because there's a lot of variation between individuals who list themselves as foreign-born by citizenship or those who list themselves as by period of time in the country, for example. When you subtract that by the total number of legal immigrants that are estimated to be in the country, of course, the difference would be illegal aliens. But you can't really stop there, unfortunately, because illegal aliens have a vested interest in not (laughs) working with government officials, and a lot of them don't want to respond to Census Bureau uh, surveys or any of these other uh, government programs. And, you know, in the past, this was not a controversial topic. Most research agencies agreed that the undercount from the Census Bureau methodologies was between 20 to 40 percent. Most of them came in the 25 to 30 percent range. 
However, as this topic has become more political over the last 10 to 20 years, you see a lot of mainstream organizations have been lowering that count without really explaining why, assuming that the Census Bureau is more accurate at including illegal aliens. And they have made some efforts to try to get there, but they're really underwhelming and there's no evidence to show that they have been more accurate. In fact, over the last year, there have been a lot of reports coming out showing that the Census Bureau has been undercounting individuals of particularly Hispanic origin and especially those that are migrants. So it could actually stand to reason that that undercount should be even higher than what we assume it is. So we stick with kind of the historical accepted figure for how much this is undercounted. And what that does, that's why you see a bit of a difference between a lot of organizations that for the last 10, 15 years have been trying to say there's 10 or 11 million illegal aliens in the United States um, and ours, which, you know, now has it at 15, uh, over 15 million. So that that's the main reason you see that some of the differences in the figures that we have. Of course, that's lower than a lot of estimates. We've seen some as high as 22, 23 million. Right. Uh, there's really no way to know for sure because, again, it's there's just there isn't some centralized database of who is and isn't an illegal alien. It could be higher. It could be a little bit lower than what we're saying, but we feel pretty confident that using long-accepted methodologies that this is a pretty accurate figure that we have. Unfortunately, team, it seems as things currently stand with the Biden administration, I think we can only expect this the illegal alien population to increase when we do our report for 2022. We look at just recently, the Biden administration said that they're going to be lifting Title 42. For mm-hmm. our audience members who are unfamiliar with what Title 42 is, it is a CDC health measure that allows immigration authorities at the southern border to quickly expel uh, illegal aliens who are shown to have some sort of communicable infectious diseases such as uh, coronavirus. We here at FIR have been talking about this uh, pretty extensively for the past few weeks just because of how it is one of the few, if not the last mechanism that is keeping the border together, barely. As we, as we look deeper, I think if the Biden administration and his, uh, immig- and his DHS Lieutenant Alejandro Mayorkas were to rescind this tool from CBP authorities, I could I could honestly see the the floodgates being open and more even more illegal aliens would come across the southern border, increasing the the, the growth in the illegal alien population for years to come. Right. I mean, I th- I think what we're what we're looking at with the Biden administration this year is they they don't seem interested at all in doing anything to slow the you know importation of as many migrants into the country as possible, whether they're illegal aliens, use uh, expanding some of the guest worker programs, etc. In fact, it, it just seems like it's the hill that they want to die on. You know, it's one of the major reasons why the approval rating of, uh, of Biden is now lower in a lot of polls than Trump ever reached. Something the mainstream media harped on all the time was Trump's low approval ratings. Well, now, I was just looking at the Quinnipiac poll that just came out. Biden is now lower than Trump ever was. Mm-hmm. And one major reason for this is immigration. You look at some of the Gallup tracking polls. Of course, the right conservatives are virtually united on this front, opposing you know open borders, especially for those that are not authorized to be in the country. We also see now at least a plurality, even a majority in most uh, in most polls of independents want to see this crisis at the southern border brought under control. And while it may not seem like a big figure, you've got, in a lot of polls, 20, 30% of Democrats that want to see this taken under control. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking about 30% of your base leaving you, 
plus most moderates and virtually all of your opposition, that that's that should be sounding the alarm in your administration. So it's really telling that the Biden administration is willing to die on this hill. So I think you can just continue to expect them to try to just process migrants as fast as possible, hoping that if you don't have pictures of kids in cages and thousands of migrants sitting under bridges, that maybe somehow Americans will either forget about it or get on board with it or... I don't know. I mean, there's so much of so much of this agenda that makes no sense to me. Yeah, I think part of it is also ideological. I think the uh, the Biden administration, just especially Alejandro Mayorkas, but not just him. There's this philosophy there that <clears throat> basically they would prefer to have this, you know, border chaos and out of control legal migration than tamp down on it because tamping down on it would mean that they would be quote-unquote inhumane or quote-unquote mean and they prefer chaos to feeling that they're bad people so that's a part of it on the other hand right now you have like nine or ten democratic senators including ones in the border states who are saying especially arizona who are opposing the biden administration plans to right. lift title 42 and rightly so though you know mostly that's guided by fears of you know right what's going to happen in the midterm yeah it's what's going to happen here yeah. in a few months mm-hmm. to yeah them. So, and, and uh, apparently there are reports the Biden administration is reconsidering it or, or, or maybe putting it off until later, but uh, so we'll see, what ha- we'll see what happens. But definitely lifting Title 42 would make the situation much, much worse. Right. And it's hard to even imagine it getting much worse at this point. Exactly. I mean, we're already in a situation where Border Patrol is physically incapable of processing everyone that they are processing right now. And most months right now, nearly half of the apprehended and encountered illegal aliens are being removed via Title 42. So you're talking about maybe double the number of individuals being resettled in the country, and that should just be alarming to to anyone in any situation in the United States right now. Some of the things that that we've been talking about here at our organization that the Biden administration can do to slow down the the large flow of e- illegal immigrants uh, pouring through our southern border is reinstating first of all, remain in Mexico, and mm-hmm. the ACAs, these are the asylum cooperative agreements with the Northern Triangle countries. These countries have already shown that they are willing to cooperate with us in making sure that if there are third country nationals who are applying for asylum, they should do it in the first available country, not right. not going all the way to the United States only to give a fraudulent, meritless, meritless claim, and then being released into the interior, which which is where catch and release comes mm-hmm. in. You have, we have scores and scores of illegal aliens who are, are essentially just, they're given a quick screening by border agents, they, uh, their information is taken down, and they're giving them a court date, hoping, hoping mm-hmm. that the information is accurate and that they'll show up uh, when their court hearing is later down the road. We, as we've talked about before, most people, most aliens do not show up to their asylum court date so mm-hmm. they they eventually disappear into the interior in communities across the country another thing that this administration can do is implement mandatory verify you know we're talking about the the midterms here in happening in a few months this is something that has crossed uh political lines you know majority of republicans a, a plurality of democrats support e-verify mm-hmm. they come to the consensus that yes you know what if you are going to work here in the united states you should be legal here you should have authorization to work here um, under the right circumstances that is an easy not only would that uh, 
damper e- illegal immigration, but it sets the message that to other to other would be illegal immigrants that no, we're we're taking our, our immigration law seriously. And again, we've talked about how there's been this bipartisan consensus. Both Democrats and Republicans have come together saying like, President Biden, you need to get your house in order. Mm-hmm. You need to stop doing what you're doing. And honestly, you know, I, I was watching Alejandro Mayorkas uh, before we started recording, and he essentially said, no, we, we still plan on moving forward with scrapping Title 42. Right. He was trying to throw it over and say, well, this is actually the CDC's decision when we all know it's really not. I mean, he's, he's, he's trying to pass off blame for a disaster that his department is overseeing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it surprises me every time I, I, I hear these uh, and watch these press briefings on the unimmigration policy. Mm-hmm. Spencer, Pavel, are there any, is there anything else that the administration can do in order to get this crisis under control? Well, maybe cr- if they wanted to, which they won't, crack down on sanctuary jurisdictions. That's another big mm-hmm. magnet. Um, uh, illegal aliens are, you know, they're rational agents, they're rational people, and they know, they know incentives, they know disincentives. Right. Sanctuary jurisdictions, areas where illegal aliens, they're arrested, are not going to be handed over to ICE because of foolish ideological policies. They know that's the area to go. Right. Rather than areas where they will be handed over to ICE if they commit a crime. Right. And if you look at the interactive map on this report, you'll see states that have heavy concentrations <laughs> of sanctuary cities in the interior of the country. The populations are going up, whether you know, you're looking at Portland, Seattle, uh, Northern Virginia, areas like that. You're starting to see that. You're starting to see those uh, uh, illegal aliens coalescing in those areas. Yeah, I, I know I know a lot of this talk about like, oh, the Biden administration should implement E-Verify. Sounds like you're, it, it's not going to happen. But I think it's also important to remember that most of the immigration authority that the president has right now has been delegated to him by Congress. So if the president is not willing to get his house in order, like we're saying, Congress has the ability to pass laws saying we are taking this power back. You have to abide by these certain guidelines again. You know, we are, you know, codifying certain uh, immigration laws, whether it's, you know, E-Verify or banning sanctuary cities, things like that. And I think, you know, the American people, y'all been doing a great job of putting the pressure on your elected officials. They see these poll results. That's why you have people like Mark Kelly, Kirsten Sinema in, in Arizona starting to go, well, maybe we shouldn't, you know, revoke Title 42, whereas just a few months ago, it seems like Democrats, you know, especially before Biden took office, Democrats were united in saying that it was evil and racist and in, you know, overreach of authority. Now they're at, that tune is starting to change because, again, like Pavel, like you were saying, illegal aliens are rational actors. I, I mean, congressmen and women are as well. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it, <laughs> but they know they know what what they're facing if they don't, you know, if they don't start representing their voters, if they don't listen to what their uh, what their constituents are telling them. So, I think it's time for for Congress to start you know, doing their job, telling the Biden administration, either you must act on this or we're going to take some of that authority back and we're going to start legislating on the issue as well. So that's, in my mind, it just seems like that is the only real way forward because the Biden administration is not going to take this topic seriously. So, you know, once we come to November, if Republicans take back the House, and that does seem likely at this point, and, you know, they maybe gain a Senate seat or two, 
we, the, the American people really need to put, put the pressure on them to take this topic seriously. They have to take whatever opportunity they have to pass some of these reforms and essentially, uh, hopefully, so that when we're back here doing the 2022 illegal alien population update, you know, we are then saying, I'm sure, I'm sure this figure will be much higher then, but we're then saying, hey, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this mm-hmm. is going to start reforming itself soon. But at this point, we just don't see that happening. Yeah, and of course, Demo- Democrats, rank-and-file Democrats, need to be putting pressure on their elected representatives and mm-hmm. leaders to, you know, do the right thing. At the same time, Republican rank-and-file needs to also put pressure right. on... Right, Because there is an element, there is a faction that's pro-amnesty and, and soft on legal immigration, pro-cheap mm-hmm. foreign labor in the GOP. And so even if Republicans do take power back in November 2022, there's still that that faction is still going to be rearing its head. So there's going to have to be a need to contain it. Right. Like we saw during the Trump administration, by far and wide, when the pressure was on them, they fell in line, you know, behind President Trump and actually supported so many of these reforms. And I think I think we're seeing some of them start to realize how important they really are. And so, yeah, it's important to keep in mind, it's easy to sometimes look at some of this as a partisan Republican versus Democrat with, you know, independence somewhere in the middle type of issue. But that's not always the case. You know, there have always been some Democrats who seem like they've been a little more rational on this topic. And there have you know, been a lot of Republicans who seem to be beholden to kind of the anarchist slash uh, uh, big business liberal agenda when it comes to just trying to get cheap labor and maximizing profits instead of, you know, doing what is good for the for American citizens. So it's something to it's something that we always have to keep the pressure on with our elected officials and make sure that they are representing our interests. All right, team. I think that's a great point to end on today. For those of you listening, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. We encourage everyone to share the podcast with your friends and family, and we hope you leave us a review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about FAIR, please visit our website at fairus.org. We're also available on Facebook and Twitter at FAIR Immigration. This has been Understanding Immigration, brought to you by FAIR.